Good morning. We're in our Advent series, uh, taking the words of Advent, hope, uh, peace, joy, and love. And so today we're going to look at peace. That is what's on our docket. My name's Donnie. I'm on staff here. Um, if we have not met, if you're online, um, if you would like my address for Christmas gifts, please see me after. Um, as I thought about this one, you know, uh, this is very simple, I think, the premise of today, and, and I, I'm confident that um, probably all of us, maybe not Morgan, will land where we need to. And um, so as you think through uh, Christmas, and I don't know, um, kind of, I have a general idea, but our, our ages in here, our experience of the cultural background of Christmas and what that means for each of us, when I was... Uh, I'll just let you know I was born in 1975, um, and of course in this room everybody's like, oh, you're just a pup, you know. Um, your life is just beginning. Um, but 75, and so, uh, you know, I think probably as kids, depending on our childhood, we we're all um, predisposed to kind of have a favorable or, or think ours was the best um, I grew up in a town just outside of Portland, Oregon, just west of there, Scapoose, land of gravel. And um, hey, it's for real, man. It's for real. We also had a sauerkraut festival, so <laughs> who doesn't want to go to the land of gravel and eat sauerkraut? Uh, my grandparents lived in Hoquim, Washington, uh, near Aberdeen. And if you haven't figured it out, yes, those are a lot of native names, but Hoquim from Scapoose is about two and a half, three hours, depending, five hours when my dad drives. And uh, you kind of weave your way up, but when you're a little kid, that's a really long way. Do you remember that? Do you remember this when you're a little kid, a three-hour drive is, it's like a whole day, it's a whole event, um, and it just, it's torture, and you have to stop all the time. And um, we would go up there for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and in, in the 80s particular, I have two younger brothers, so... Um, our ages, you know, that's the golden spot right there. And so we would go up to my grandparents for Thanksgiving and Christmas. I'm the oldest of 27 grandkids. And uh, at the time, you know, on my, depending on my age and who had come along and who hadn't, we would all pile into the dining room under the table. That's where the kids would sleep, folding doors. Um, just great memories of that time going up. And across the street, they had a little uh, corner market with penny candy. Penny. One penny, Peter. So you could take a, for like 25 cents each, our family could get rid of all the kids for like a half hour. As we went across the street and we would just, they had hundreds of candies, penny each, and it was this whole thing. Um, just a lot of great things. One year, uh, Christmas Eve, just excited beyond excitement. And um, the family got a lot of us down to sleep. And then we were... Uh, I don't know whose idea, probably my uncle, he's kind of a loose cannon, but he had the idea, let's wake the kids up like at midnight, so let's put them into bed. After a few hours, let's tell them they just missed Santa. Um, like, he came, but you just missed him, and here's the gifts, and um, I can't tell you the excitement uh, for me when, is this working? I don't know. I think I'm dead. There we go. When, oh yeah, 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 yeah. When this beautiful thing 
uh, was unwrapped 1982. Um, this, if you don't know, this is a Darth Vader. It's, it's a plastic box is what it is. <laughs> Shaped like Darth Vader. It comes with nothing inside of it. Um, it it's basically an ice tray shaped like Vader. Um, I could not contain myself, the joy, the excitement, uh, the sense of belonging, the love, 100% uh, convinced that Santa existed, was real, we had just missed him. Um, and that toy, uh, I had a few figures to put in there. Um, when you open it up, it's got, you know, you could hold all of, at the time, all the Star Wars figures, but um, never got any more. Just uh, literally used this for, to make ice outside. Um, another uh, toy, and, um, you know, the, the music of the 50s, of course, the golden era for, for Christmas music, post-World War II, uh, Crosby and, and Sinatra and, and all the, the goodness of that era. So, you know, that's just really woven into my DNA of Christmas, uh, ribbon candy and, and uh, those little raspberry-filled candies with goo in them, um, and uh, just, you know, really unsafe things of the 80s and sugar cereal and all of that. Um, another toy, uh, a couple years later, if you're unfamiliar with He-Man um, or your, you or your kids, um, he-Man's on the Battle Cat right there. If you weren't aware, the Battle Cat becomes the Battle Cat. He's actually a very timid, scared cat called Cringer until Prince Adam invokes powers of the universe and he becomes the Battle Cat. Skeletor, the main villain, is there in the, the jaws of Castle Grayskull. But again, this you can see this, this has hinges on it and this is a, a plastic molded toy. Um, I think the cartoon was only on a couple years, and I mean, this was the best ever, like this gift, and it was just uh, joy and peace and hope, and it really, as a kid, as a kid in our culture, uh, I mean, right, like kind of, I mean, we don't really grow out of that. Um, our toys get much more sophisticated and, and expensive and and, you know, um, you see, I, if anyone in here, I, you see the commercials where the guy gives the girl a dog and then she gives him a $90,000 truck. Um, or the commercial with the, the BMW where the, the guy's going to give his wife like a BMW, but the bow blows off or something. And then his father-in-law is like, oh, you shouldn't have. And then they're happily driving around. Um, I don't come from a family that gives vehicles uh, at Christmas, but... Uh, similar, right? It's not Castle Grayskull. It's not the Vader storage box, but it's, it is, and, and there's, we know this, there's a temporal thing to that, but my point in sharing all that is, is when I, when we would drive to my grandparents' house, you would come around some bends, and there was always a street with all these lights, very long street in Hoquim, and a couple of bridges, and the anticipation of those last, you know, 10 minutes after a three-hour ride um, you just, it was almost unbearable when you're a kid, as well as leaving when you have to say goodbye and then you see the bridges and the lights in reverse. And, and like you guys, many of your grandparents and, uh, or parents with young kids, like the heartbreak, that's very real for kids. It's that, that's a very real thing. And so the anticipation and then the heartbreak and, 
And as a, as a kid, I was really happily clueless as to all the dynamics and realities of my family. Um, what was actually happening in my aunts and uncles, with my grandparents, with my own parents, my cousins, just oblivious to the conflict and the divorces and the estrangement and the abuse, the dissension. And rightly, the family kind of rallied around Thanksgiving or Christmas to say, hey, let's, let's put all that aside for the kids, right? As they should, as they should, let's like at least carve out this 48-hour window or 72-hour window and let's, you know, there might be some weird eruptions here or there, but come on, let's, for the kids, let's do this. And with the Vader helmet and the He-Man toys and those trips, there was a real peace in my experience. However, at that very time, there was also a very real lack of peace in the world around me. I just wasn't aware of it. And in many ways, uh, that's good and okay for a child. But this morning, Jesus, uh, we're, we're going to celebrate the table. I believe when it comes to peace, Jesus wants us to be aware. And, the and, and for us, in our awareness, to know this, the peace that he gives us has no shadow and it has no unawareness to it. So the peace Jesus gives is not like some of the peace we experience and give that sort of hides things or, you know, musters up energy to get through a couple days. And one of my premises you'll see this morning, because um, I'm just a little odd, is that when we think about peace, I would like us to think about unless we enter the disorientation and disruption that is inevitable in life, and I would put those on different categories. There's disruption and disorientation internally within us, within our very selves. There is disruption within our families. You could also just call that conflict. And uh, there's disruption and conflict with the world, the world at large. Unless we enter into that, which is inevitable based on where we're at in life, then we cannot possibly, it is, it's not possible to get closer to true, real, lasting peace. Um, without the gift of peace that Jesus gives to us, we ultimately cannot know the deepest levels of peace. Ultimately, re reconciliation to God, right relatedness to one another, to ourselves, this righteousness that can permeate things through this peace he brings. We, we cooperate with it. We just did a whole semester on the Spirit a couple months on the gifts of the Spirit. We cultivate and cooperate, but by no means do we create it. Do we generate it? As soon as we're starting to create and generate, try to do those things uh, in regards to hope and peace and joy and love, when it's up to us to initiate and figure it out, we fall short. That There's a lack there. We must receive them as gifts. So that's what we're going to look at today, the gift of peace. I'm going to do a brief survey of peace in the Bible, very brief. Um, I, it shows up over 280 times in Scripture. I'm just going to look at a snapshot. Then we're going to look at the gift. And in classic preacher format, oh no, not just two points. We're going to have A and B to part two. Um, in the gift, 
I want to quickly look at, uh, this is what popped into my mind as the preaching team worked on. I was like, hey, someone needs to take peace. And I, for some reason, let's call it the spirit or hopefully the spirit, um, popped into my mind. Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I thought, that's a tasty Advent passage, okay? <laughs> um, so we're going to look at that. And then the second part, we're going to look at John 14. A is Matthew 10. B is John 14, where Jesus says, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. That's where we're headed. Pray with me. Father, we ask in these next few moments, as we look at peace, the gift that you give to us, um, these two aspects of peace. Lord, would you, um, whatever we need from you this morning, each person here, uh, as we prepare our hearts to come meet with you at the table, we ask uh, that your spirit would be at work. We give you permission to whatever level we're aware and able to invite you in. Some of us are dealing with uh, recent loss, or Lord, maybe loss from long ago that, that re-stirs during the holiday season. Some of us are in great places relationally in our work and in our families and friendships. Others of us are not. Wherever we find ourselves, we ask your spirit to come and minister. Lord, pull something from the text, from your scripture this morning for us in the table um, that we can really hold on to this Advent season. In Christ's name, amen. So when we come to a brief survey, for, uh, just there's more, but four things for this morning. Number one, um, peace, uh, we seek it and work for it. Scripture is very clear that peace is something you can labor toward, you should strive for. As I said, it is a gift from God, but it doesn't mean we don't cultivate and cooperate with what God's doing. Psalm 34, turn from evil, do good, seek peace and pursue it. Uh, Romans if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And also Ephesians, make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. So high value on peace, peace in a community. Uh, many of you will think of, I think it's Jeremiah, where it says, hey, work for the peace of the city. You know, work, work for peace because that's, that's a good thing in society and, and in, with people. Uh, secondly, peace, it's um, God's character. It's part of God's character. And in Scripture, many, many times, um, kind of a title and a description, that, um, God of peace. So the God, God is a God of peace. Um, and we're Presbyterians, so this is one of our favorite. Um, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, right? And order, all as in all the congregation of the Lord's people. So um, chaos and disorder, that's not what God's like. So you think of your marriage, your your parenting, your Thanksgiving dinner, your upcoming Advent time, Christmas time, the kids are at home for a couple weeks. Uh, the God we serve does not desire chaos and order. God does not desire disruption and disorientation. That's a reality of the fallen world. Uh, we have an evil one who works against us. So God's a God of, of peace. And then um, this one before the gift. This is important. All of these things we're looking at, hope, peace, joy, and love in our Christian context, they cost something, right? Um, I wish I would have hold on to that Vader helmet. Uh, I, I saw it on eBay for $500. An ice tray for $500. Um, 
a couple scriptures here. Uh, we'll return to these at communion, but Isaiah 53, uh, he, speaking of the Messiah, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Right? So there's, there's a cost, there's a payment that happens for peace. Jesus in ten, uh, Matthew 10, we've looked at, do not suppose I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring, bring peace, but a sword. Uh, and we'll look at that. There's a cost involved. Colossians 1, one of the great hymns of the church. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So uh, the gifts that God gives, especially this one of peace, it's not just a frivolous, you know, it's, it's a very precious, costly gift, this gift of peace. And then our theme today, uh, peace, the gift of peace. Psalm 29, the Lord blesses his people with peace. And then John 14, which we're going to look at uh, Jesus saying, I leave you my peace. I give you my peace. I don't give as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. So this first part, so that's the survey. That's done. Uh, gift of peace in two parts. This first one, what is Jesus talking about? Uh, the peace, uh, not bringing peace, but bringing a sword. And if you want to turn there, this is in Matthew 10, um, 34 to 39. And it, I learned a lot in studying this. We're not going to unpack it all, but it's, it's really fascinating. Uh, Jesus makes this statement, which is uh, para, it's, it's proverbial in a lot of ways. You'll remember later in Matthew, he uh, tells his disciples, hey, those who take up the sword die by the sword put your sword away, right? He lets them bring a sword, but he also says, that's not how my kingdom's coming. And here he's, he's saying, I, I don't bring peace, but a sword. And you're like, what's that all about? And if you look at Matthew 10, 34 and following, immediately after Jesus says this, he launches into this thing about families. He says, I have, I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He wasn't talking about your Thanksgiving dinner. And he says, and a person's enemies will be that of his own household. And if you didn't know, your Bible didn't tell you, that's a, a direct quote from Micah. That's out of Micah 7, 7, 6. And in Micah, we're seeing the prophet. He has an oracle and he's talking about the misery of Israel and the rise of Israel. And he's giving thanks to God and praise to God. And he's talking about, hey, whenever God does a new thing, with his people, there's opposition, there's conflict, there's disruption, there's disorientation. Whenever God is at work in this way, uh, this is what's going on. And so Jesus's statement is tipping us off to the divisions that would occur when God does a new thing. A quote from a commentary, when God acts to rescue his people, there are always some who declare they don't need rescuing, that they're comfortable as they are. And this kind of gets back, I think, for me, to this idea of disruption and, and disorientation. Um, 
I think Jesus is pretty clear in his teachings that this is a normal, as a disciple of his, this we should expect uh, opposition in certain ways. And in those categories, remember I said at the beginning, internally with ourselves, then if we move out in our spheres, potentially within our families, our places of education, employment, where we live, and even further out largely in the world. Within ourselves, let me explain that for a second, um, and this might ring true to you or maybe not, but when we choose, when we make, you know, however that looks for us in our experience with the church, but when we choose to give ultimate authority to Jesus, when we choose to bow the knee to, to Jesus and give our lives to him, our sinful nature doesn't just tiptoe away quietly, does it? The conflict, there's this reality of when we finally get resolute and say, nope, I'm going to hand over lordship, authority to Christ, something interesting happens internally is there's an opposition that rises. Scripture teaches us there's an evil one externally at work against this, but also my experience is my sinful nature doesn't just, you know, I'll make a decision Monday and Tuesday. It's like, okay, we're good. It's this battle that ensues, right? Cringer has to become the battle cat. There's, there's a battle that ensues over the human heart, right? And so when I submit to the Spirit and I'm uh, submitting to Christ, this starts to happen. And so there's a disruption and disorientation and if we, if we mistake the peace that I described from my experience as a kid, if we think that's the peace Jesus is bringing, we're in for a really rough go, aren't we? We're in for, we can really misunderstand the character of God. If we think the peace Jesus gives and brings is like what the world gives and brings, that is a bad situation. Because we need to understand, actually, the peace the world brings is nothing. Like what, what Jesus brings is a deeper, truer peace on the other side of disorientation and disruption and chaos. Christ says, do not be afraid. I have overcome the world. So there's, there's something of Jesus wrapped up in the suffering and the death. And a few weeks ago, Don... Uh, preached a sermon about dying and rising. Um, and he kind of, he wore himself out with this motion of dying and rising. And I, I wanted to run up and give him some oxygen, but uh, he was doing that thing. And, and in the pattern of Christ and in what he invites us to, and again, we're not talking about one and done, right? Jesus ultimately accomplished for us the peace with God, right? That's not a question. His victory on the cross, his resurrection, the gift he gives, we don't add to that. We can't create that. We receive that from him. We join that. But we all know, and I think this is what Don was trying to hit at, if I heard him correctly, that in our lives, there's still a process of dying, right? Going through the process of dying to ourselves so that God can do a new thing. And whenever God's doing a new thing, there's going to be opposition, so the dying and rising part, life, death, rebirth, resurrection, right? That movement, there's no shortcut around the death 
part, the disorientation, the disruption. And so Jesus is telling his disciples in Matthew 10, hey, look, uh, there is peace. The messianic kingdom that I'm ushering in ultimately is about order, and I ultimately will, I bring peace. But the path to that, right, the path to that involves disruption, suffering, disorientation. The way to peace is not the way of avoiding conflict. It's really not. As I got older, told you a little bit in the 80s, as you move into the 90s, guess what happens to a family system with all that stuff, the cracks, and guess what? No one was putting aside for the kids anymore. I saw fights and crazy stuff in my own family, and you're going, what is happening? And there was explosions and estrangement and weird stuff, but there was also beauty. And one of the best times was I remember we had a meeting up at my grandparents' house, and everyone gathered, and we didn't know what was going on. I was one of the older kids, well, the oldest grandkid. We all huddled. I think they rented us a room across the street in a hotel or something. And that's like how crazy this was. And we all hung out. And guess what happened across the street with all my aunts and uncles and my grandparents? Reconciliation. Forgiveness. Uh, people owning their stuff relationally with the family. And it was hard and it was uncomfortable, and it was disruptive, and I'm sure they didn't really want to be there, but the fruit of that, more peace or less peace after that? Way more, way, way more. And so when we go through that, and we understand the way to peace is not the way of avoiding conflict, um, then we're walking in the way of Jesus. His whole existence and life didn't look like what we might say is peaceful. And as his followers, we can expect no less. And so th this is concluding this part, the second part's very short, um, that when Jesus says, I don't come to bring peace, but a sword, he's saying, look, when you give me allegiance and when you make me the authority, inevitably there's conflict will arise, disruption. Don't be surprised if you feel it internally. Don't be surprised as you walk this out that other people are comfortable as they are. They, do, they would not want to be challenged with who I am and what I bring. And so that's the first part of peace. Second part of this gift, John 14, my peace I give you, I don't give as the world gives. And the question would be, well, how does the world give? Um, the world, and that's, we're not going to unpack that term, but the world gives temporarily, right? It's temporary. Any, any of the best stuff we have, it's just it's temporary gifts, circumstantial. I think of uh, the world gives from an imbalance of power. There's always some weird power dynamic happening, like you give me a gift card, I give you a gift card. You give me a thank you card, I give you a bigger thank you card. Um, we out, you know, there's, there's, it's always tied up in some sort of social contract or, or something most often, uh, conditional and so on. Jesus says, I don't give like that. Uh, when I give, I give with eyes wide open. Jesus gives to us fully aware. This peace he gives is hard-earned, it's costly, it's lasting, it's true. Back to the commentary. Those who fold, hold fast to Jesus and refuse to settle for a second best compromised discipleship 
will find that his peace comes to them as a gift, a peace of a kind that the world can never give. Christ effectually gives people peace. And moreover, the peace that he talks about is not dependent on outward circumstances um, as any peace in the world must necessarily be. Uh, Peace, hope last week, peace, joy, love. Um, Think of these also as a bass note, right? A nice bass note. And I know uh, whether you're classical music or you're into hip hop or something, but a bass note that sustains the entire thing. And it is not about, I'm very glad for my childhood experiences and memories at the holidays. I wouldn't trade them. But those can't be the bass note, right? It doesn't mean we don't have those. Jesus, he's giving us his peace, but think of him in the garden. Think of him toe-to-toe with religious leaders. Think of the conflict with his own parents and his family when he goes home. Think of the conflict he has with his disciples. Think of all the interactions Jesus has where it's, it doesn't, it's not warm, fuzzy eggnog lattes with Sinatra in the background. It's tense. It's toe-to-toe. It's about truth and what, who he is. Uh, but the base note under all of it is peace. It's the peace he's going to bring eyes wide open, knowing what it's going to cost him and how he's going to be bringing it. So as we conclude, I wrote a little thing to myself. I don't know what it is. It's not a poem. It's just kind of a challenge. So I offer it to you uh, for this Advent season when we think of peace. Let go of my fear. Fear about every decision the government does or doesn't make. Let go of my fear. Fear about my aging and my health. Let go of my fear. Fear about my financial future instability. Let go of my relentless attempts to control everything and everyone. Let go of my insistence that I must be right and everyone must know that I am right. Be invited this Advent season to let go and receive the gift of peace which comes from Christ. Father, we're grateful this morning for these good gifts that you give to us that are born out of your character, that are uh, show to us who you actually are. And Jesus, I ask for my brothers and sisters here this morning, in this room, online, uh, God, would you grant us by your spirit the ability to see past uh, any of the other types of peace that we tend to prefer over what you bring. Lord, help us to embrace the gift that you give to us. Uh, Help us to follow you into places of disruption and disorientation and discomfort uh, when, when we know it's the place you're leading, the place you're calling, because ultimately we trust you and we know that on the other side there's true lasting peace, the peace that you and you alone can give to us. In Christ's name, amen.